0: In this episode of The Tell, more revelations over how MI5 agent Dennis McFadden crippled the new IRA.
1: Dennis McFadden was a key agent, key MI5 agent at the heart of the new IRA and before that other Republican organisations. And someone who's absolutely decimated this gang. He's inflicted so much damage on them.
0: A human rights organisation fronted by Gerry Conlon of the Guildford Four, unknown to him, was an MI5 plot founded by McFadden to infiltrate and sabotage Republican campaigns.
1: So they set up this group. It's on the premise of um, addressing human rights issues and looking at miscarriages of justice. But in reality, it's a vehicle, an MI5 vehicle, an MI5 construct to infiltrate the campaign by Republicans around the issue that Craig happened Two.
0: And sources have told The Sunday Life... McFadden encouraged Republicans to visit cancer-stricken new IRA founder Tony Catney on his deathbed.
1: Several Republicans told me that McFadden made contact with them in the days and weeks leading up to Tony Katney dying and said, look, TC's on his deathbed. Maybe you'd want to go and see him and have a final conversation. Maybe there's something you want to get off your chest. Maybe there's something you, you need to say to him.
0: Fears are growing amongst Republicans that McFadden secretly bugged these meetings, giving MI5 a massive amount of leverage over the group.
1: What I'm told is is that the the this bugging operation. The the sound is pristine and there's not only audio, there's also there's also camera footage.
0: I'm joined by the Sunday Life's chief reporter, Kieran Barnes. And once again you're very welcome to the Bell Tell. Can you remind us who is Dennis McFadden?
1: Um Dennis McFadden was an MI five agent who came to Northern Ireland about twenty years ago and started infiltrating Republican organisations for MI five. Then initially he he became a member of Sinn Fein in in North Antrim, and he was um, he was going to meetings. He was going to common meetings in in North Antrim. He was reporting back information to his handlers about Sinn Fein structures, Sinn Fein strategies in North Antrim. And then after that he moved on. Um, he he joined various other dissident groups, and he ended up. Uh, in the new IRA, a key figure in the new IRA and sitting on the national executive of the political wing of the new IRA, a political party called Siru. Um So he he was around for quite a long time, for two decades. And then in August 2020, he, um, he exposed himself as, a, as an agent when the PSNI launched Operation Arbacea and arrested nine individuals, nine men and women, who they claim were members of the Army Council of the new IRA. Um, These nine individuals along with a a tenth Palestinian doctor, have been behind bars on remand, facing director and terrorism charges for the past two and a half years. So, Dennis McFadden was a key agent, key MI5 agent at the heart of the new IRA and before that other Republican organisations and someone who's absolutely decimated this gang. He's, He's He's inflicted so much damage on them uh, that, that he's almost rendered them useless.
0: Did he come here... To be an agent. Was he an agent already? And I just, I mean, we use the word agent and I've gone to MI5's website to find out what an agent is and they helpfully have told me. They say an agent is someone who works for us to obtain secret intelligence. They're one of our foremost important source of intelligence. Agents are not employed by MI5. There's no formal application. You don't send them your CV. So... uh, People who are employed by MI5 are known as MI5 officers. But they, he's an agent, someone who has. Did he volunteer himself? Was he
1: turned. Well, he was a special constable in Glasgow, where he's originally from prior to coming here. And that information was relayed to Republicans in, in Belfast. You know, they were told, look, this guy's a former cop in, in Glasgow. They had that information, but they chose to ignore it for whatever reason. Now, Sinn Fein got suspicious of him. And, and it was after that he he moved into Dissident Circles. He was a bouncer in an old nightclub in Belfast, known as Mint, which was a, was a gay club, and it would have been open quite late. So he, he, made, he made a lot of contacts in there. He lived in Carrickfergus initially with a with a, a girlfriend. He lived near Downshire uh, Train Station, just off the Barn Road there, and he, which is a real loyalist area. And at the time, he was heavily involved in Sinn Féin in North Antrim, And Sinn Féin members found it peculiar because he he was a guy who was living in a loyalist heartland in Carrickfergus, yet was an active member of Sinn Féin coming in North Antrim. And even they they tell stories about how he parked his car outside his house and there'd be Sinn Féin literature in the back seats. But he was never too bothered about it. So there were suspicious of him. He went to he he was he was doing the door in various nightclubs around Belfast, and he became friends with a guy called Tony Catney, a prominent dissident republican. And it was via Catney that he was able to infiltrate these groups. Tony Catney would vouch for him, and and it was through his friendship with Catney that he was and he ended up being trusted by other people who would have been involved in the dis, dissident republican scene. He moved with Catney in the RNU and then after that he moved into the new IRA with Katney. Katney was the he was the brains behind the new IRA he was the one who pushed in 2012 the formation of this organisation which brought together independent Republicans down into her own uh, elements of the real IRA and a vigilante gang in Derry known as Republican Action Against Drugs so this super group was formed in 2012 Katney's like the Spengali, Paul McCartney figure this super group he's he's the one who brings it all together he's the main man and he um he takes Mcfadden with him uh Mcfadden's is you know he, he, every, every time you see Mc, you see Catney Mcfadden's usually in the background somewhere. so it's Catney who vouches for him and it's Catney who says Dennis can be trusted um he's come on with me in
0: preparation for this podcast I mean I I did some research into Tony Catney and to say he was revered by many Republicans and dissident Republicans, is, is is not an exaggeration in terms of he's described as a thinker, a doer. He really seems a key figure and a hero for an awful lot of people. Who was
1: he? He was very highly regarded amongst Republicans. He was he was an intelligent man. You know what? I interviewed him on several occasions, and he was he was very erudite, very you know well spoken, um, and he he always had a lot of ideas. Now he was jailed in the nineteen seventies as a young man. Um, he was 17 when he went to jail for murder and uh, the attack he, he was involved in was disgraceful. Um, there was a young lad called Morris Knowles who was duck hunting on the shores of Belfast Lock. And Ketney took a shotgun off him and then shot him in the back. Now he was a young man when it happened, but it doesn't excuse shooting someone in the back, which is a war crime. So uh, he went to jail. He, um, he, you know, he, he got a really good education while in prison and he came out and he was really, really highly regarded by Sinn Féin to the point where he became Sinn Féin's Director of Elections. And around about 2007, I think it was the European elections, he oversaw um, a record vote for Sinn Féin. So hugely well regarded within Sinn Féin and then as they sign up the policing at the beginning of 2007, he starts to have um, disputes with them. He starts questioning the Sinn Féin strategy and um, he leaves. Now in 2009, uh, Republicans, mainstream Republicans, and the PS and I start briefing journalists that Catney is trying to form a new dissonant organisation, an armed dissonant organisation, which wants to return to violence. I interviewed Catney in 2009 and he, he dismissed this. He said that, look, Sinn Féin are trying to portray like I'm bathed in blood. I have no interest in violence. But what we know now is that Catney, along with Dennis McFadden, um, are working in the background to set up the new IRA, which is which is formed in, in 2012, with Catney as one of the most senior figures in it.
0: One of the most interesting stories that I found that you've covered about Dennis McFadden in recent weeks, the latest twist, is that Dennis McFadden and MI5 used a human rights group as some sort of cover organisation in order to infiltrate dissidents. What happened? In
1: 2012, um, in the 2013, McFadden sets up an organisation called Justice Watch Ireland. Now, I've since learned that that was at the behest of MI5. So this is a human rights organisation which um, includes among its directors McFadden, his wife Christine Shaw, a solicitor called Kieran Mulholland, and uh, a former Sinn Féin councillor called Angela Nelson. And they also... As guarantors, they uh, they bring on Jerry Conlon from the Guildford Four, who wrongly uh, he was wrongly convicted of the Guildford pub bombings and served fifteen years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And Catney's a Tony Catney's a, a guarantor of the organisation as well. So they set up this group. It's on the premise of um, addressing human rights issues and looking at miscarriages of justice, but in reality, it's a vehicle, an MI5 vehicle, an MI5 construct to infiltrate the campaign by Republicans around the issue of the Craigavon 2. Now, the Craigavon 2 are John Paul Wooten and Brendan McConville, two Republicans from Craigavon who were convicted in 2012 of the 2009 murder of Constable Stephen Carl. He was the first PSNI officer killed um, in Northern Ireland. Um, McConville was sentenced to 25 years and and Wooten served 18 years in prison for it. Now, their supporters, who would include prominent, human rights activists and um, and lawyers, as well as their families and Republicans, would say both men are the victims of a miscarriage of justice. At their trial, there was questions raised about the quality of a witness and about a tracking device which had been placed on Wooten's car, a security force tracking device. So um, they believe that the, the convictions are unsafe and they were campaigning heavily to secure an appeal and 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 have the convictions overturned, Justice Watch Ireland come on board. This organisation set up by McFadden, and to they offer assistance, they offer support to the Craig Craigavon Two campaign.
0: There are so there are many human rights groups. Why did how did he why how did he justify having another one?
1: Well, what he said was um, this: this organisation um, we'll campaign harder, we'll campaign stronger. You know, we'll do more than any other human rights groups. So. My understanding is that it was set up in 2012, and it even there's even questions around it being set up too, Kieran, because um, one of the guarantors is a what, what is listed on company house papers as being a, um, a prominent human rights lawyer. I'm not going to name this individual because they asked me not to, but they told me at the weekend that their signature had been forged on these documents, and that they have family photographs from 2013 and flight ledgers, which proves they weren't even in. Ireland when this document was supposedly signed. And when McFadden's wife, Christine Shaw, she fills in her form as a director, she uses a bogus address. She uses an address which is really a a used car sales business in Newton Abbey. And I spoke to the owner of the car sales business last week and he told me he had never heard of Christine Shaw. So when this company's set up and it's incorporated, one of the guarantors has a guy who's listed as a guarantor isn't really a guarantor. And he has his signature forged on the documents, and another of the guarantors, Dennis McFadden, uh, his wife Christine Shaw, she gives a bomb address. She gives a fake address. So you know from the very start, there's questions being asked of this of this, of this human rights group, Justice Watch Ireland. So they um, they made contact with the family of uh, Brent McConville and John Paul Wooten, who were convicted of the murder of Stephen Carl. Uh, McFadden's handed sensitive legal papers. He's handed documents pertaining to their appeal. Um, another director comes on board, Angela Nelson, who, who I said was a, a former Sinn Fein counsellor. And um, she was running a separate campaign for the Craig Aventue. And Angela now, looking back with hindsight, um thinks that you know McFadden stemmied her efforts um to, to to promote the campaign, to go on a speaking tour of Ireland. Talking at universities and colleges about the campaign, reaching out the Irish America, he he puts his skids on all that. And I'll I'll tell you what: if you just what what Angela told me was with hindsight, one can look back at a lot of things and deduce that was exactly what was happening at the time that McFadden set up Justice Watch Ireland to infiltrate and sabotage Republican justice campaigns for MI five. That's a former director of Justice Watch Ireland saying that now.
0: There's a number of things that occurs to me from that. First of all. Um you know, how much of, of of political life and certainly in terms of dissidents and Other political groups here are manipulated or controlled or even set up by MI5. The other thing that occurs to me is not only had uh, McFadden the ability to obviously have people behind him, but to do this, but he must have had a strength of personality. He he took in an awful lot of people, but he obviously must have had a strength of personality and force in terms of organisation to force through many of his ideas and what he wanted.
1: Well, he was ballsy, you know, I think. You would say that about any agent who comes to a different country and infiltrates paramilitary organizations. You know, you, you it, it you know takes a lot of, takes a lot of courage on his part. Some people may call it stupidity, you know, but there's there's a certain amount of bravery there too. Uh, he also had Tony Catney, which was key. Um, if it wasn't for Catney vouching for him, if it wasn't for Catney describing him as a friend, bringing him to meetings. Um, you know he wouldn't have got he wouldn't have had the access or the or the influence that he had. Another important thing to remember too about Justice Watch Ireland, and this is this is really sad and it's quite heartbreaking too. Um, McFadden and Kentney bring on board uh, Jerry Conlon, who was convicted wrongly convicted of the IRA Guildford pub bombings in the nineteen seventies. And served fifteen years in prison. And Jerry's acting as a figurehead, and with the very best of, of intentions. And I must say that about all the other directors and people involved in this group, Barr and and uh, McFadden, they're all acting with the best intentions. There's no there's no um, suggestion of duplicity on any of their parts. But McFadden brings on Jerry Conlon, and because Jerry served fifteen years in prison for crimes he didn't commit, he's very passionate about what he sees as miscarriages justice and and, and legal issues. So, Jerry's acting as the figurehead for this Justice Watch Ireland. And it's Jerry who gives it the profile. Because you've you got to remember, Jerry's an international figure. Jerry, there was a movie made about Jerry in the name of the father, starring Daniel Day Lewis and Pete Postleby, and It was award winning. So, what better person to have as the figurehead of Justice Watch Ireland, as the figurehead of this human rights organisation? And all the way Jerry via Dennis McFadden as being manipulated and used by MI5, the same agency that was involved in covering up the fact that he was an innocent man. So even after Jerry gets out of prison in the 1990s, having served 15 years for a crime he didn't commit, one of those agencies that put him behind bars and cap him behind bars is still using them and is still using them to infiltrate uh, justice campaigns by Republicans. And I find that really disturbing. That having inflicted so much pain on Jerry Conlon and having locked him up for fifteen years or something he didn't do, the intelligence agencies are still using them and are still manipulating. Them.
0: Justice Watch Ireland no longer exists, of course. Uh, the Craig Craigavan too as, as known to their supporters are still in prison. That 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 conviction I mean that's 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 an issue for another time. Uh, so McFadden did his job, I suppose, well, very he, successfully.
1: He did. And what, what also happened, and this was unexpected from on, on McFadden and the MI5's end, was that um, Jerry Conlon and Tony Kentley both died within a few weeks of each other in 2014. So you had um you had Conlin dying, Jerry dying unexpectedly. Uh, at the start of the summer and Tony Katney died in August of twenty fourteen. So within the space of a couple of weeks, Justice Watch Ireland lost its figurehead and in Jerry Conlon and it lost its brains in in Tony Katney. So it kind of fizzled out. But by that stage it had, you know, it had achieved what it set out to achieve because the Craig Avant two lost their appeal against their convictions in 2014. In fact, John Paul Wooten had his sentence increased from 14 years for murder to 18 years for murder. And then the following year, the um, the Supreme Court, they took the case to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court refused to hear it. So, in that period, the Justice Watch Ireland existed, 2013 to about 2015. The, the company was dissolved in 2015. Craig to lose their appeal. Nice solicitors for Brett McConville, they have since... The last year, they went to the Criminal Case Review Commission. They asked them to reopen. The Criminal Case Review Commission looks at potential miscarriages of justice. So McCombs' solicitors have went to the um, CCRC and said to them, look, you need to look at this case again. And they're basing that on McFadden's role in the original appeal in that, you know, they say, look, McFadden went up to jail to visit Brent McConville. He was handed sensitive legal documents. He was made privy to information that he, if we'd have known he was an MI5 agent, he wouldn't have gotten here. So they are now asking the Criminal Cases Review Commission to look at McConnell's case again, based on the role that McFadden had in his appeal.
0: An extraordinary turn of events. Um, we keep mentioning Tony Catney in this podcast. He seemed to have been, and again I stress... He's been described by Republicans as a thinker, uh, a strategic thinker, um, someone with deep principles and ideology, whatever people think of that, because, as we've said, he 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 went on to found the new IRA, etc., and is gener- was generally seen as their leader. But he was taken in hook, line and sinker by Dennis McFadden to the extent that Dennis McFadden nursed him on his deathbed.
1: Yeah, well... <sighs> Regardless of what you think about Tony Katney or what your opinion is of Tony Cantley, there's no doubt that he was he was an intelligent man, that he was, that he was a strategic thinker, and that he was a smart guy. And you know, even I think even his opponents within Sinn Féin would have to concede that you know this this isn't some idiot or some knucklehead or some you know like paramilitary godfather who's sitting counting his drug money. This is a guy who was who was clever, and so you, you have. You, you give him credit for that. You know, he was—he was a strategic thinker. He was also a convicted murder, and it's—it's—he murdered a sixteen-year-old boy. It's, it's important to remember that. But can can See, he get? He,
0: he was jailed. I think it's important to say he was jailed in nineteen seventy-four, at the age of sixteen for murdering Morris Knowles, who was seventeen. Morris Knowles, he was from Rathcoole. Uh, he was murdered on the shores of Belfast Lock, where he had been shooting ducks.
1: And it was a sectarian murder. He shot the guy because he was a Protestant. You know, there's no getting away from that. So. Kenny serves a sentence, gets out, becomes a senior figure within Fee, and falls out by the Shellers, and then moves into these um, into the, it's in the in the forming the new area So in 2014, Kenny gets sick, really sick with cancer, and McFadden moves in with him. Um, Kenny lived in uh, just off the Lannady of Estate. You know, even off- if,
0: even what you say there, I mean, I have friends, mm-hmm. and I, I don't have a friend good enough. You know, a friend close, and that I'm close enough to that if they were had cancer, that that I would move in with them to nurse them. I maybe that's just me, but that seems to be for me. You know, that's the role of family, that's the role of the hospice. But McFadden moves in with them.
1: He does, yeah, and, and he's nursing him as he's dying. Now, from talking to Republicans last week around the Justice Watch Ireland issue, some of them also raise concerns about McFadden's access at the time of Tony Catney's death because you know several Republicans told me that McFadden made contact with them in the days and weeks leading up to Tony Catney dying and McFadden he actually called them one of their houses and said look Tony's on his T- TC as they called him that was that was his nickname TC's on his deathbed he's going to die soon maybe you'd want to go and see him and have a final conversation maybe there's something you want to get off your chest maybe there's something you know, you need to say to him And one of the guys Who I was talking to Says look I didn't go I didn't know TC that well And I certainly Didn't want to intrude Upon him When he was You know When he's in his last Moments And he's in his last days And So he turned him down He turned McFadden down But there was others Who went And There's a real fear Among Republicans now Given that McFadden was in that House with Catley and Catney's bedridden you know he's, he's dying of cancer so he can't get out he, he's limited movement so there's a, a deep suspicion among Republicans that McFadden had the house bugged and that people were visiting Catney on his deathbed and perhaps saying things to him and making promises to him that would be of huge interest to the security services and that's a that's a that's a feeling that several Republicans who I've spoken to in the past fortnight I have they think that they believe strongly that McFadden had that house bugged and people were saying things to Tony Ketney on his deathbed, thinking that they were having private conversations, but which were in fact being recorded by McFadden. And remember, he's a history of recording Republicans because he set up two meetings in Toronto in 2020 of the the new IRA's alleged army council on both. Both of those meetings were bugged and 10 people are facing charges now directing terrorism charges as a result of those meetings. So, given that, Republicans are saying, well, McFadden's working for MI5. He's in Tony Kentney's house with him, alone. Kentney's bedridden. He can't move. He's weak. He's sleeping a lot. Um, You know, it stands to reason that McFadden would have had bugs in that house and that he was taping people, having final conversations with Tony Kentney. And they believe now that those recordings... May be used as leverage against Republicans and dissident Republicans if they're ever ever arrested on a suspicion of terrorism or power multi offences.
0: In other words, that information could be used to turn them or put pressure on them. That's
1: the feeling, yeah.
0: It's an extra. I mean, it's one man, obviously backed up by the might of MI5, managed to do. From his point of view, an incredible job of work on this on these groups. It's it it, it is, if you made it up, people wouldn't believe you.
1: Yeah, and the, when you look back to, he was here for twenty years, and there was red flags everywhere. You know, this is a guy who comes from Scotland. Um, no one's really sure of his background. He tells people he's a hotel inspector, a health and safety inspector who inspects hotels, and that that accounts for as many days away from. Belfast. Um, he's, you know, the belief now is that when he was away, supposedly inspecting hotels, he was being debriefed by MI5. You know, when he first comes over here, um, Republicans are warned that he was a special constable in Glasgow, but no one takes any hate of that. There, he lives in Craig Fergus, in the middle of a strong loyalist state, um, while he's a member of Sinn Fein, common in, in North Antrim. You know, and. Surely surely the Republicans, that would be another red flag, as well as him being a special constable in Glasgow, as well as him having no real discernible Republican background. So there's three red flags immediately. He then starts work as a bouncer in nightclubs around Belfast and falls in with um, dissident Republicans. And again, you know, there's anecdotal evidence where he was showing up at meetings, political meetings, and uh, during these political meetings being held by dissident Republicans, he's saying to people, when does a real meeting start? And when does the other meeting take place after this meeting? Referring to sort of like, you know, military meetings, almost. And, and people are going, look, Dennis, there's no more meetings. But he's pestering people about this. So all the way, you know, there's red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. But people chose to ignore it. And, and one of the reasons why people chose to ignore it was because he was endorsed by Tony Cattney and he was a friend of Tony Cattney. And Tony Cattney brought him along.
0: What's the current situation with regards to the new IRA and other dissident Republican groups?
1: Oh, they're absolutely crippled. Um, they, uh, they, the New IRA would have had, um, they would, they would have had a strong, be a, a fairly strong support in, in pockets of Belfast, Northern West Belfast, and their heartland would be Derry, particularly in, around the Craigavon Estate. Now, and this has been well documented. Since the murder of McKay the journalist who was killed by the New IRA in 2019 in Derry, the decision was taken to shut the organisation down. Lyra's murder brought international headlines. That, brought international condemnation. go to Northern Ireland, where police are blaming a dissident Republican group for the shooting death of a journalist last she night. She was shot it dead
0: two weeks ago middle. by the new IRA, a killing which has sparked a backlash against the...
1: You had prime hotline. ministers and presidents going to your funeral in Stan's Cathedral, and after that, mi 5 took the decision to shut shut down the new IRA. Um, within a year of that happening, McFadden blew his own cover, and you had 10, well, nine men and women from here... Um, on charges of directing terrorism following two meetings that he bugged into Rome um, you've Palestinian doctor now charged with directing terrorism you've more than a dozen prominent dissident Republicans in Derry where Lira was murdered charged with everything from murder to bomb making the rat and since really since Lira's murder the new IRA haven't done much they um, they left a bomb up in Strabane a few weeks ago which um which sort of well, it didn't cause much of an explosion. It put scorch damage on the police car. I suppose it had the potential to kill. But what what you've found is since twenty nineteen, and the murder of in McKee and McFadden's, you know, exposure, the new IRA have been, you know, they've been they've been absolutely crippled. They've been hammered, and they've been barely able to do anything. Now,
0: that doesn't mean they can't harm.
1: No, of course not. And, and and given given what we now know about McFadden. There is another, there's, there's a suspicion amongst Republicans too. I would say Republicans who aren't involved with the new IRA or Syria that if Justice Watch Ireland was an MI5 construct, could the new IRA have been an MI5 construct? Because what it did was it brought together paramilitaries from independent paramilitaries in Toronto, independent Republicans down there, it brought together real IRA members, it brought together uh, members of Republican Action Against Drugs. And when you bring all these groups together, these disparate groups under a central leadership, it makes them much more easier to control. It makes them much more easy to manipulate.
0: So you've swept up an awful lot of, you've swept up almost everybody.
1: Yeah. And you bring them all under the same banner and, you know, it's far easier then to infiltrate them and and control them. And there's certainly a feeling and a growing feeling among Republicans that that may have happened with the new IRA and it's important to remember within a year or two the new IRA set up and forming the strongest unit of it which would have been in Tyrone, which retained provisional IRA weapons which weren't decommissioned Um, they walked away you know they walked away within two years of it setting up they didn't didn't trust it they didn't like it there was a there was a whiff of the intelligence services about about it according to them so they walked away and now you've got you've got a handful of members in in the around Belfast and, uh, and a group of them Probably no more than about fifty or sixty, in uh, in Derry and a smattering of them in in East Tyrone. And here's the other thing too: see, when McFadden organises those meetings, those alleged IRA uh, Army Council meetings in Tyrone, just outside Oma, three of the guys who are charged with directing terrorism are from Tyrone. So it begs the question: why are they getting Dennis McFadden, the organise meetings of the alleged IRA Army council in Tyrone why are they getting the Scotsman who's based in Belfast when they're you know they, they're from Tyrone they're from around the corner so again there's another red flag you know every every time you look at Dennis McFadden in the case of, in his case and you read about it every time you do that there's something else jumps off the page and goes well, why wasn't that picked up on why wasn't that picked up on you know, it's just a litany of failures on the on the part of the of on the part of distant Republicans in the new area. How they didn't, he was heading in plain sight, he really was.
0: Do we have any idea where Dennis McFadden is now and is it likely that he may have to appear as a witness in any future court proceedings?
1: He was taken out of the country in twenty twenty. August twenty twenty after the the start of Operation RBC and, and all these new area suspects were arrested. He hasn't been seen since. Um he fled with his wife. Christine Shaw, um, they married in the City Hall in Belfast in May 2017. They now have a young child. Uh, they were living up round, um, Sandy knows round about that direction in, in Newton Abbey, Gormley area. And then they moved to the Hightown and, and their house up in the Hightown now is empty. It hasn't been lived in in almost three years. Um, McFadden isn't down as a witness. It, there's been preliminary hearings into the into the case of the nine guy, nine men and women who are, who are, who are charged in connection with his uh, bugging operation, and he's not listed as a witness. Um, you know the wheels of justice turn very slowly in Northern Ireland, and it'll be a while before um, this this court case reaches its conclusion. But at this stage, uh, McFadden's not scheduled to give evidence, and maybe he's not needed because what I'm told is, is that the the this bugging operation, the the sound is pristine, and there's not only audio, there's also there's also camera footage. You know so they may um, need McFadden to secure a uh, successful prosecution.
0: Kim Barnes chief reporter with the Sunday Life. Thank you very much. Thank you Kim. This episode of the Bell Tale was produced by myself Kieran Dunbar the sound design was by Graham Davidson. And if you enjoyed listening to this podcast you can find many more like it on belfasttelegraph.co.uk or wherever you get your podcasts.